I'm Ashley. And I'm Alicia. And we are Murd Nerds. So Alicia, what did you what did you do today? I just worked, so I don't have any stories. So I went to pick you up oh, from your okay. house, and before I picked you up, I had to stop and get some gas, mm-hmm. and it was freezing. Yes, outside. Yes, and I don't know why, but my gas tank is on the left side, so on the driver's side, and um, I grabbed the gas pump. And mm-hmm. I put it in my car. The nozzle. The nozzle, yes. Mm-hmm. With my left hand, and I put it in the gas tank. And then I went, oh, no, I'm trapped. Because there was another car on the other side of me on the other pump. Because the pumps mm-hmm. were like, mm-hmm. you could fit two cars right there. So I proceeded to <laughs> climb I'm not sure over. I'm trapped, but. Oh, yeah, I climb over the hose I, all the time. I climbed over <laughs> the hose. Okay. And I'm I have short little legs. I'm only five five. I'm short. And I almost ate shit. Oh my god, I thought you were gonna say you did. No. And I, <laughs> I did pull the nozzle out, but I saved it. Oh and then no. I did it I stopped, put the nozzle back in, and then tried into to your car. again. Yes, into okay. my car. And then tried to again. Which you're not supposed to get you in your car. You walked over it again? Yes. It was <laughs> a very bad decision. <laughs> But I did, I got it, and I looked around frantically to see if anybody had seen me. And you were walking your dog at the time, and I'm like, shit, Ashley's going to see me looking like a dumbass. No, I saw you like the <sighs> second after when I was driving to the post office yeah. to drop off a package. So yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> oh I don't normally drive, and I don't normally pump gas. So it's it's easy been like so six was it was it like gas. was it like when you have it in did it have that little like loop at the bottom instead of just being nope. what straight you oh okay i was pulled back kind of far though because so you're kind of we okay. have a, so a three kind of row thin. three row yeah. and i uh was kind of far <laughs> back so it was kind of stretched it's really slick too you're lucky you didn't fall no, they did a good job salting. I was very proud did of them. They? Chicago yeah. did not. I almost fell on my face when we were in Chicago. I saw Nina Actually, was I like I did fall running. on my face. I did fall on my face. Nina was running and sliding. I yeah, saw, she's she a, a video child. Of yes. She, she was oh, now you're 30 and everybody is <laughs> everybody having fun is just Yeah, a, yep. Yep, yep, yep. I'm an angry old woman now. <laughs> Same. Try me. <laughs> All right, let's get right into your case then. Oh, okay. All right, guys. So before we get into this case, I just wanted to talk about this new law um, that I read about. It was passed in Indiana back in June of uh, 2021, and it actually allows citizens, citizens being like family members of victims, um, to request the state police to be brought into an investigation. So before they pass this in June... Local law enforcement had to be the ones to put in, like, a formal request. And, I mean, we know how good cops are at asking for help from other departments. So I thought that was really cool, like, thoughtful law, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. This case is a lot. And there's more than one victim, which I tend to do this, choose cases that are just big, I guess, and mm-hmm. big and confusing. But... um this week, I am covering the Burger Chef murders. <gasps> Are you really? Yes. This is a lot of a lot of research and moving around, and I'm still a little bit confused about things. So you're more than welcome to interject and ask questions. It's but so confused. Yes, I may or may not have a good answer for your questions. So, yeah, um, my sources were um, I listened to this local podcast. I believe they're out of Indianapolis. Um, they're called the Murder Sheet. Ooh. You ever heard of them? Uh-uh. They're really good. Um, they did some stuff on Delphi, too, Ooh. the Delphi murders. So, yeah, they, they go so in-depth on the Burger Chef murders. I actually only listened to a few of their podcasts. Um, but, yeah, so if you want to, if you want more in-depth information on the Burger Chef murders or even the Delphi murders, definitely check them out, um, the murder sheet, on wherever you listen to your podcasts. I also used... I wrote Hoosier State Chronicles. I'm I'm assuming that's a website. I um, read an article for the Indianapolis News um, from November 
1978, uh, written by Jane Hud, sorry, Jane Judkins. Um, an article in Indianapolis Monthly by Tony Reagan. An article in the Indy Star by Will Higgins. I have a lot of sources because, again, this is a huge case mm-hmm. and there's so much information and it was widely covered f- for a, a, a large span of time. I read an article in the Indy Star written by Will Higgins. An article uh, for Fox 59 News by Russ McQuaid. I obviously used Wikipedia. We all do that. Um, and medium.com have you ever oh, been yeah. on there? Yeah, yeah, I used medium legit. for my last case. Yeah, yeah, they're legit. Your case before your last case or the, this past case? This past case. So last week's case. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> um <clears throat> I used WTHR news and then um there's a book that was written by a woman named Julie Young and she wrote a very um extensive book about it's called the burger chef murders in indiana so it's a really good book i bought it on um kindle or audio whatever i use i'm not entirely sure because i read real books Mm -hmm. but it was just easier to buy it online okay so in november of 1978 four young employees of a speedway which speedway is kind of it's an area in fort wayne or it (laughs) In um, Indianapolis. Okay. So four young employees of a Speedway Indiana Burger Chef restaurant went missing. Um, and police initially believed it to be a case of like the there was a bunch of kids. They were all like under 22. So they the police thought that they stole some money from the restaurant. They went out to have like a fun night. But the case quickly unfolded to be like much more gruesome. Um, when just two days later, the body of those four employees were found by hikers over 20 miles from the restaurant. Yeah. From all accounts, the employees were described described as good working. <laughs> were described as good, hardworking kids. Um, even though they all attended different schools, they worked very well together, and they were held in very high regard within the Burger Chef establishment. Mm-hmm. So. This incident happened on Friday, November 17th, 1978, um, and it was after what I'm sure was a long shift at Burger Chef. Um, their names were Ruth, Jane, Mark, and Daniel, and they were just getting ready to close up shop. The restaurant closed at 11 p.m. on Fridays. So a friend and fellow employee named Brian Kring came by at midnight to help them finish their closing duties. He was going on a date with a woman named Ginger uh, Ginger Haggard. I don't want you to remember that name. Ginger Haggard. Ginger Got Haggard. It. Stored. Got it? Okay. Because we'll come back to that. Um, when he came at midnight, all four employees were already gone. Basically, so then we know somewhere between closing time 11 p.m. and midnight when Brian Kring showed up, that uh, that's when the restaurant was potentially robbed and the four employees were taken. Um, which is kind of good because it gives cops like kind of a tight timeline. It's a one hour timeline. Yeah. Whereas if Brian Creek never showed up, it could have been any time between closing and opening. Yeah. So <clears throat> that was that was helpful. When Brian showed up at midnight, he noticed that everybody was already gone. So um, I'm sure closing a fast food restaurant is different, but like I was a server for a long time, you know that. Mm-hmm. And um, closing duties at like a sit down restaurant, they take hours. When I worked at um, Carabas, Carabas, um, we would close at eleven, mm-hmm. and some of the closers would be there till almost two a.m. Yeah. Like it, it just happened for the next day. Yeah, I worked yeah. At, I worked at Burger King. I don't know if you remember. I do remember that was your first job. That was my very first yes, job. And I we remember. Would, we would kind of prep uh, through cl- uh, like oh yeah, slow well, if you're time, slow in the evening, yeah, but on you a Friday prep. night, there's Friday no night way. exactly. You'd All be the there teenagers are out two. until curfew. You know they're getting food late, so yeah. So the the absence of the four employees, it was odd to Brian right off the bat. But um, so he drove around to the back of the building and he saw that the back door was ajar, which is like you take trash out. If you have six bags of trash, you're going to put something in the door so that we don't have to physically yeah, so open the door every time. Are the lights on? Uh, I don't know. You know. I would assume. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm not positive. Um, well, I'm sorry. That was a stupid question because most restaurants leave their lights on light on yeah Yeah. 
when he noticed the back door was ajar, he did something I would not have done, and I'm sure you would not have done. Um, he went inside to check things out. <gasps> oh, no, no one was there. I wouldn't have done that. I would have called the cops immediately, but again, would you have though? anxiety? That's I wouldn't have gone in there. And yeah, I, I probably would have. I at least well, would have called like my manager. If you know somebody's there, no, if you but know, you don't if you know, know that you were supposed to meet somebody there. Would you? Because that's like if you drove you're, past my yeah, house. You're right. If you drove past my house, and you see the doors open. Are you going to be like, "Hey, is anybody in?" You're Are you gonna right. Close the door? I probably would. I would probably at least knock and like ajar. Yeah, I would push the door open. You're right. It's all when I was researching. I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh," but that's because you know what happened. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Way to call me out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He went inside the back door, and he walked through the entire restaurant. So he came to the manager's office, and he saw that there was a safe open. As soon as he saw that, he's like, okay, I got to inform someone. Yeah. So he called an employee from the Burger Chef, probably one of his superiors, I would assume. Um, they didn't name that person. Um, they advised him to call the cops. So so I didn't put this in here, but he was, he was waiting there for the police, um, and then... Another employee came by, and it was an employee that actually Danny, which is one of the victims, Mm -hmm. Danny was covering for this employee. This employee called in. Danny was like an evening shift employee. This employee was a closer. So your evening shift people get to leave at like 10, whenever the the dinner rush, you know, is done. And then you have closures that come in, and they just close. Yeah. So um, Danny was scheduled to close. He was having like car trouble. So, yeah, I know. Suspicious. I know, right. But these are teenagers and, like, young kids. Yeah, but still. Yeah. How many teenagers and child murderers are out there? There's a lot. So um, this employee met up with Brian, and they were, like, waiting, and, you know, Brian was kind of telling him what's going on and told him that he had called the police. Well, that employee left as soon as he found out the cops were coming. But imagine you're a 17-year-old. I was You've 17 got once. a joint in your car. I didn't have a joint in my car. Okay, I did <laughs> a lot. But imagine you you got a joint in your car just for, you know, hypothetical purposes and you, you find eat out like you, <laughs> you don't eat it first, you just go home. The cops aren't there yet. So this kid went home. And I thought that was kind of random, but it was mentioned in a couple of articles, so I felt you know, it That's worthy of mentioning. Questionable. Um so when police arrived and assessed the scene, they found a couple of empty bank bags and a roll of tape that were near the open safe that Brian, you know, prompted Brian to call. There was less than $600 missing. So, um as I mentioned earlier, they assumed it to just be petty theft, whether it be one or more of the employees or just a random thief. But this ended up being a reckless assumption, uh, considering that Jane and Ruth's purses were both still at the restaurant, along with their jackets. Yes. So this was November. It was cold. Unfortunately, the police did not dust for prints and took no photos of the scene. (sighs) I know. Isn't that so annoying? But. Reckless. I mean, just you, you go into a... It feels routine when you walk in there. You know, you're like, oh, petty theft, whatever. It didn't look suspicious. And like we always say, overreact Always first. overreact. Always overreact. Because if you overreact and it's nothing, it's just nothing. Yep. Absolutely. So the more time that had passed um, and the four young employees not turning up, the worry did begin to set in. Uh, Indiana State Police put an alert out on them, still unsure if they had left by choice or not. They took action. Oh, but they took action. Soon there were helicopters in the sky combing the area. There were off-duty police, reserves, and even the FBI were all coming together to find these employees. Mm -hmm. So they had been searching for a few hours when they found Jane's white Chevy Vega just two blocks from the Speedway police station. The driver's side door was locked, but the passenger side was not, and there was no sign of the car keys at all. Jane's mom had told the police that Jane always locked her driver's side door. So she put a lot of emphasis on that basically the only time her door is unlocked, her driver's side door, is when she's getting into her car. Mm-hmm. She's always just locks that door, which is smart. I do that too. I do the same exact thing. <clears throat> just so, I mean, no one can get to you, like, right away. Yeah. Anxiety, people. Um, so this leads police to be, or to believe that she had been driving a 
that car at some point, but then exited the car through the passenger door. So I thought this was kind of weird to jump to that conclusion so fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't understand why that was the verdict, like, right off the bat. There's so many other possibilities. Um, Their assumption might be, like, the most simple and the most likely, but – and I realize they're not saying that Jane, like, just abandoned her car on purpose or willingly – but, like, you can lock the doors of your car from the outside. Yeah. So, and you can walk away with the keys and then throw them into a dumpster six blocks away. Mm-hmm. So that just didn't feel, you know, like maybe one of the perps parked it there so it wouldn't be in the restaurant lot. Then it wouldn't look weird that no employees were there. And that would just buy them the couple extra hours. Like, no one would even notice, you know. Well, and who's going to think, let's check near the police station. Exactly. Yeah, two blocks You're from gonna the police put station. It in the most which, obvious place. Honestly, I should have looked this up, but I didn't look up how close the police station was to the actual restaurant either. Oh yeah. So yeah, I probably should have looked that up. Hmm. Anyway, unfortunately, this also contributed to the original theory that the police came to—that the kids just went out and had a night of fun on Burger Chef's dime. Yeah. But I'm not an investigator. I'm sure they have good reasons, you know, to believe that theory, or they probably still have an open mind about other scenarios. Well, that nobody just, wants to think the worst. Yeah, well, and yeah, exactly, exactly. So, anyway, the car was searched and dusted for prints, but ultimately it gave investor, investigators no physical evidence and nothing new to go on. Um, they did note that they found a shoe, but it is not believed to hold any useful information. Um, just one shoe? Just See, I thought that too. <laughs> I thought that too. I knew you were going to fucking say something. It's like the random something. shoes that I you find on you the highways. Like, exactly. Whose shoes are these? You know, I always wanted to just like stop on like the 20 bypass and just start like looking for stuff. I bet there's a mad woman who found her man cheating and there's a $3,000 ring somewhere on that highway. I bet there you know is. there is. I'm going to find it one of these days. I'm going to find it. Okay. Anyway. They didn't want to, like, speculate or cause panic, so before they knew anything, and um, even in the light of finding the car, they decided not to make anything public yet, and this unfortunately meant that the Saturday morning Burger Chef team only knew of a robbery of their store, so they were asked to clean up the restaurant and open it as normal Saturday morning, yes. Um, But... Speedway police officer Buddy L. Wanger later stated, we screwed it up from the beginning, referring to not collecting any evidence at the restaurant, which was now scrubbed clean and full of new customers. Um, That was a really devastating blow to the investigation. And I don't know if the case would have necessarily been solved um, with evidence from the original crime scene, but you do have to wonder. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure those cops felt terrible like well, and it's pretty he, bold for him to admit like they messed yeah up the cops don't do that and i thought that was really cool that's why i put it in there like just like you walk on a scene and one of your first decisions is crucial you just don't even realize it yet mm-hmm. like you walk in you contact the company you know you start the paperwork you're certain that it's just a petty theft and you just go through the motions just like you do the six gas stations that got robbed that week yeah. you know so, yeah, you just go with your gut, but I'm sure it's not that simple, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, I would, uh, I would crack under the pressure. I'd be a terrible cop. I'd be dusting for prints when someone's mailbox got smashed or some shit like, <laughs> hello, radio, we need K-9 unit at the park right now. Someone popped all the basketballs, like, shit's getting crazy. <laughs> There's a murderer on the loose. I'm serious. That would be me. I would not be able to It's a violent crash. Someone popped all the basketballs. They popped all the basketballs. Thank you. We need the K-9 unit here stat. Anyway, uh, they finally notified the families of their missing loved ones. Um, Robert Flemons, which was young Mike's father, said that um, after he found out his son was missing, he had recalled a conversation that they had while watching a show about a kidnapping. Uh, Mike mentioned to his father that if he was ever in that situation, he would try and figure out a way to get away from his captor. He even mentions running in a manner as to make himself like a harder target to hit if his captor had had a gun. Um, His father quoted him saying, I wouldn't just lay still and die. And I, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. I pulled that from Julia Young's book, which is a decent read. So you should definitely check it out if you want, again, more in depth on this case. So by this time, the media had found out about the missing group of children, and which the oldest one was 21. I'm still going to say children. I was a child when I was 21. Yeah. That's my opinion. Um, that's my opinion. That's my opinion, and you're going to listen. And so here we are. Um, so when the media found out, uh, um, the cops turned to the media to reach out to the public looking for new leads. 
Some residents in the area saw a car and a van speeding through their neighborhood on Lupine Drive. So this is a single loop subdivision that is less than two miles away, which seems like a lot when you're in the city, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I Google Maps it, and yes, I said Google Maps. That's I'm sticking with it. Oh my, <laughs> Google just popped up trying to help me. <laughs> no, thank you. So I Google Maps it, and it's pretty much a straight shot. Like it's just you turn out of Burger Chef and you turn onto one street, and you're there. Like you probably have to hit a couple lights. Um. So one of the residents claimed to have seen the vehicles come to a stop and then someone got out of the van and then walked to the car. But other residents remember the vehicles slowing down to almost a crawl, but they couldn't say whether or not they had actually came to a complete stop mm-hmm. in that neighborhood. Um, there was also a man that was um, stopped at 16th in Lynnhurst waiting for a light. He said that he saw a car and all of the windows were fogged up, but he was able to see a bearded man in the vehicle. Um, this intersection is even closer and, again, has a high chance that they might have driven near or by there. This is south of the Burger Chef restaurant, and the Lupine neighborhood is north. So it's kind of like either one of these are true. I mean, I guess both of them could be not necessarily true. They saw what they saw, but linked, I guess. Um, because it would be weird that they're driving on both, you know, yeah, around the whole – yeah, around the crime scene. Um, Unless they didn't know where to go. Exactly. Yeah. Like So basically it would seem They're like they were, they were surf- circling the crime scene. Police were also contacted by an unnamed teen who claimed that on Friday night he and his girlfriend went behind the burger chef and sat on burger chef and sat on the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. So while they were talking, they were approached by two men somewhere between 1115 and 1130. Hits our timeline. Yeah. Um, he described these men as white. In their 30s and poorly dressed. One of the men did not speak to them at all. He had a clean-shaven face and light-colored hair. The other man began questioning them about what they were doing behind the restaurant and, like, by the railroad tracks. So this man had a full beard and had dark hair. The unnamed witness recalled this man having a handkerchief over his face like he was wiping his nose. But it was like while he was talking, too. So almost like he was trying to cover his... Muffle his his voice. Yeah. So the man told the two teenagers that they needed to leave for their safety due to um, recent vandalism in the area. So that, yeah, they noped the fuck out of there, which is smart. Like, that's what I would have done. I've been like, okay, bye. Thank you. Not kind. the train that could possibly be on the tracks. Right. Yeah. Well, it's illegal like to be on, on the rain. The it's railroad illegal tracks. to be on railroad tracks. Yeah. They were walking. They were on foot. They okay. weren't in a vehicle. So they when they walked to, like, leave those two men, um, they cut through the Burger Chef parking lot. And um, this teenager says that he recalls seeing Jane's car still there. So that was between 1115 and 1130. Her car was still there. Um, and this being the only specific, like, visual lead that the cops had, um, they made sketches of of the two men that the teenagers described. I did read that busts were made as well, like a, you know, like a sculpture, yeah. a bust. Um, but I couldn't figure out if it was made back then or if that was, like, a more recent, recent thing, thing. That, they, that they did. I couldn't find any dates. So, um, <clears throat> but I felt that was worth mentioning. So they went missing Friday evening um, on Sunday afternoon around three p or three fifteen p.m. Uh, Fred and Rosemary Heger were on a walk on their property when they spotted um, two bodies. These bodies were of Ruth and Danny. They were positioned face down and next to each other. They had remembered that four kids were missing from Burger Chef when Fred noticed Ruth's uniform. Her uniform. <laughs> Her uniform. Um, so um, they they then spotted Mark and Jane several feet away before running home to call the police. Uh, the police quickly set and secure a perimeter and began processing the crime scene. The coroner arrived around 445. Upon inspection, Ruth and Danny appeared to have been shot side by side multiple times ex- ex- execution style with a thirty eight caliber gun. Jane had been stabbed with so much force that the handle of the knife broke, causing the blade to remain in her chest cavity. Yeah, I probably should have trigger warning to that. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, The handle was never found. What? Yeah, so it broke off. Yeah, it broke off in her chest. So they had the cops had the blade, but they never found the handle to that knife. 
Um, Mark appeared to have been beaten to death by a chain-like object. Um, police saw no sign of the victims being tied up in any way, so it seemed, you know, they were intimidated into doing whatever they had to do. There was no um, restraints. Mm-hmm. So it was like, did they know them, you know, kind of thing? Or were they just forced out? Um, The purses were in the restaurant, so they were probably just being scared, obedient teenagers with some scary men with guns, you know. Mm -hmm. Fred and Rosemary were questioned. That's the couple that found them on their property. Um, They were quickly ruled out as suspects, and they did not recall seeing or hearing anything out of the ordinary those past few nights over that weekend. Investigators found and took molds of some tire tracks in their driveway. Um, There was also a gun found between the restaurant and where the victims were found. Um, It has never been, like, officially linked to the case, but we'll we'll come back to that gun later um, in our theory section. Okay. Our theory section. It's super (laughs) official. Um, When the missing employees' bodies were found... Burger Chef quickly offered a $25,000 reward for information leading to um, arrest and or conviction of the killer or killers, um, which is actually equal to over $106,000 today. Whoa. So there's a lot of money. The company even allowed phones at the headquarters to be used as tip lines to report anything that might help police. Aww. And in the first weeks after the slayings, more than three dozen detectives from five agencies, including the FBI, swarmed the case. So now I'm going to take some time and tell you about these uh, about the four victims. So Jane Freed was 20 years old. Um, she was native to Terre Haute, Indiana, but had been living in the Indianapolis area for eight years. She was an Avon High School graduate. She got transferred to the Speedway location earlier in 1978 and had just recently earned her promotion to assistant manager. <sighs> so she was the manager that evening. Yeah. Um, She had been working with Burger Chef for three years, and a friend of Jane's sister described her as having a smile and a kind word for everyone that she met and that she was well-respected and liked by everyone that knew her. Daniel Davis um, was 16 and was an honor roll student in his junior year in high school. He had an appreciation for photography, aviation, work, and school. Davis's father said that he had his own dark room in his house for his uh, photography, and he took tons of photos of the family. He took photos of school events and obviously of airplanes because aviation was a passion of his. He was a quiet child, but he was very enthusiastic when he was talking about any of his hobbies that I mentioned. He planned to enter the Air Force after high school, and Daniel, or Danny, as friends called him, was not supposed to be closing that evening but the schedule closer had called off mm-hmm. due to car trouble. So he had called his mother and asked if he could stay and help his peers with their duties. That's so kind. Yeah. So the kid that called off was the one from earlier that I had mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So Mark Flemons was 16. He was the youngest of seven children. He was a sophomore in high school and according to his school principal had recently been really hustling to bring his grades up. His teacher had nothing but good reports in regards to his improvement. He was a lover of playing tennis and was described as a good-looking kid who was always very well-dressed. Mark lived close to work, so he did walk um, to most of his scheduled shifts. He was actually supposed to have that evening off, but he agreed to switch with an employee named Ginger Haggard, who had planned a date that evening, and she was 17 when all of her coworkers were killed. So Ginger Haggard was on the date with Brian Kring, who had come to help them around midnight that night. That's weird. Well, it's when you work at a restaurant like that, it's like a net. You do that. You cover for people. You hang out with people you work with. So it didn't really strike me as that odd, but I did feel it worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. Ruth Ellen Shelton was 18 and a junior in high school with aspirations to attend college and eventually do something in computers. This would not have been an issue for her to obtain with her consistency on the honor roll and her deep interest in mathematics. But Ruth also excelled in the arts, mastering macrame, and she had recently started taking voice lessons. Her mother said that she was very obedient, and one of her classmates, who had taken a recent interest in getting to know her, described her as quiet and shy, but a very kind and good worker. So, theories. Theories, yes. The cleanest and easiest theory um, connects the slangs to a string of robberies that were happening in Indianapolis at that time. Mm -hmm. A group of three to five men targeted,
targeting mainly fast food restaurants. Um, they were also allegedly also Lee. <laughs> they were also allegedly involved in many shootings in the area as well. They already had hit multiple Burger Chef locations, but having no physical evidence to link them to the murders, I'm guessing there just wasn't anything to arrest them on. Um, three of the suspects had died in the 1980s. So, and I'm not going to name them because I don't care to name them. Mm-hmm. Sorry if anybody wanted to know their names. Uh, the police had a witness claiming that, uh, claiming one of these suspected robbers had told a relative that he had participated participated (laughs) police have a witness claiming one of the suspected robbers told a relative that he had participated in the quadruple murders uh when they were just chatting at a bar in greenfield indiana but again a confession is nothing without evidence people false confess all the time for what reason i do not know Um, attention but it leads me into my next theory which is the theory that that i believe to be the most um plausible so uh one of the people from the previous group that I had been speaking of, uh, his name was Donald Forrester. So this is in whoops, this is in 1984. So this was six years after the murders had happened. So they had a bit of a lull, obviously. Mm-hmm. Donald Forrester was in Pendleton Correctional Facility when he contacted police claiming he wanted to confess to the murders. He offered a full confession for a promise from police that he would not end up in a violent prison. When talking with police, he stated that he was just trying to collect a debt owed to him by Jane's brother. Name His name was James. I realize in a podcast that's very confusing. But his name was James Freet with an M. Um, he went to the Burger Chef with some accomplices. Um, I'm thinking they were intending to rough up Jane's, Jane to send her brother a message. Uh, Donald said that Mike had inserted himself into the situation, which caused a fight to break out, resulting in Mike falling unconscious. He then says that they all thought that Mike was dead, so they ended up kidnapping everyone and driving them into the woods to kill them, leaving no witnesses behind. So his story made sense, and he started to gain more credibility when he gave unreleased details to the to the police. He was describing the knife uh, being stuck in a young woman's chest being Jane, yeah, um, saying that he used a thirty-eight caliber to kill Ruth and Danny. Um, I'm going to say this next part, but I couldn't find anything else on it, so I don't want you to ask me any specific fucking questions because I have no idea. Okay? <laughs> no. Are you ready? So, Donald even pinpointed... No. No. I skipped a part. So, Donald said that he used a thirty-eight caliber to kill Ruth and Danny. He flushed those casings down the toilet. Okay. Okay. So, again, I didn't find anything, but I'm assuming he found them on the woods ground. In the middle of the night. Right. I read that police found the casings. So, I don't know if they found them in his plumbing. Casings are metal. I could see them staying, like, in a, the bottom of a loop. I In a trap. I don't know. I don't know. Jeremy, do you know anything about plumbing? Do you know anything about flushing bullet casings down the toilet, Jeremy? <laughs> No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you heard it here. You heard it here first, people. Okay. So um, this dude even pinpointed, this dude being Donald, Donald Forrester, he even pinpointed the exact location where all four bodies were found. So, like, this is our guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, this is our guy. You're going to ruin it. But, yes, but, someone leaked that he was speaking with police. So he immediately claimed that it was a forced confession. He stopped cooperating with cops entirely. And he died of cancer while still incarcerated in 2006. Wow. Yeah. So annoying. Incidentally, the two men who the unnamed teen spoke with behind the burger chef were being the only descriptive leads that the police had at the time um, actually matched the descriptions given by Donald Forrester. Okay. So he was, you know, he was singing like a bird, and he identified those guys, and they matched. So they brought these two men in for questioning, and suspiciously, 
the man that was described of having a full beard had shaved his beard for the first time in five years. Yeah. It's a little suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Um, the other man that had fit the description had a record and served time for robbing fast food places. I'm guessing with the rest of the gang of assholes, you know, that I had mentioned earlier. Um, the cops offered many plea bargains, but neither of them ever admitted to anything or provided any useful information. And with nothing solid to hold them on, they were set free. Yep. So, my um, fourth, third, my third theory, I can count, is a simple robbery gone wrong. So, early on, the cops thought that um, while a robbery was in process, in progress, one of the employees recognized one of the robbers. Oh. So immediately that's gonna, you know, Jerry? make them panic. <laughs> yeah. So in the in a panic, the robbers kidnapped the employees and, you know, an unknown unknown series of events created the perfect storm which resulted in the murders. Yeah. A panic so, killing or something. Yes. Like heat of the moment. Just... Yes. This last theory is kind of combined with my first theory. Um but it's it is separate because it was two separate people talking, but I do think that they are connected. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, Brian Kring, who first discovered the empty burger chef, believes that drugs and money were the motivation behind the murders. So an article that Russ McQuaid of Fox 59 wrote um, in the article, he asks Brian what he thought had happened. And Brian replied saying, quote, oh, it was drugs. Somebody owed somebody, either one of two people. He was also quoted saying there was one known drug dealer around that he only used young kids to deal the drugs. And it seems like everything is around young kids. And that's the thing that bugs me the most. And we don't even know if the thing is being investigated. So that was a quote from him. So like maybe one of the four victims owed or brother owed Mm -hmm. the dealer. Maybe it was Donald Forrester. Owed him money, and he was trying to collect or scare them, and something went wrong, resulting in the impulsive kidnapping. And then those kind of situations just naturally escalate and, you know, resulted in the deaths as well. Brian feels that the police haven't taken this theory seriously, and it needs to be investigated further, which I kind of think maybe he's thinking of someone else, because it kind of sounds like he's talking about somebody specific. Yeah. And it might not have been Donald Forrester, but Donald Forrester coming and admitting or, you know, having this confession, you know, it's kind of like connected, yeah. I feel. But he might have been thinking of someone different because he said that he doesn't believe that they investigated. Well, I feel like they did. They got that confession from him and they brought those two guys in, you know. So anyway, what's going on now? Um, November 17th of 2018 was the 40th anniversary of the kidnapping and murders. Police say that tips still come in and um, the more than 24 three-ring binders full of notes from possible witnesses, interviews, and reported theories prove this to be true. This case is still very much alive and evolving. Captain Chuck Cohen is a tech expert for the Indiana State Police. He has begun scanning all of these seemingly random and unrelated binder contents into a program that can spot and link consistencies and similarities and organize everything to where, you know what I mean? Like it can it, make it's like linking things together. Yes, exactly. Which would take a human for, how many did I say, 24? How long would it take a team of people to do that? A and lifetime. they would still miss all kinds of things, you know? Um, Technology. I know, it's crazy. So also in November of 2018, the Indiana State Police, probably in the, you know, being the 40th anniversary, they were kind of just bringing it to light again. Um, they had held a press conference and released a photo of the knife blade uh, that was stuck in Jane's chest. And along with uh, the measurements and etc., just the specs, I guess. But they blew this photo up, like, huge for, like, people to see at the press conference. Um, they were... Uh, hoping to, like, make a statement. Yeah. Um, They said that, you know, even though the handle was never recovered, maybe now these visible details on this knife blade might jog someone's memory. Um, Maybe someone would see that, because it was a larger blade, 
So it would have been worn like on a sheath, like on someone's belt buckle, or, oh. or I guess could have. I'm not gonna say it was. I'm but. thinking a kitchen knife. Like, oh, I'm missing no, one out of my like, cut, cutlery blade. Yeah, or my block. no, it was like a knife that you would. It was. It wasn't like a folding knife or anything. It was like probably full tang. I would imagine. For and what reason? Hunting? Because this is America, <laughs> and we can do what we want. Okay, and yeah, probably for hunting. I can't imagine just somebody walking around in a... I've seen people, like, recently walking around like that. With a big old The knife? blade just can't be bigger than the palm of your hand, I really? think, is, like, the legality of it. I'm not positive. Don't hold me on well, that. Well, you carry a knife on you. You should know this. I carry a pocket knife on my back pocket. The blade is the size of my pinky. But I can still stab motherfuckers, so back up. Just saying. <laughs> right Get in the jugular! Right in the there. jugular! <laughs> Seriously. Try me. Don't mess with Ashley. Fucking try me. <laughs> I can get it out really fast, too. I'm just saying. The superintendent, Doug Carter, was quoted at the press conference saying, Our commitment stands. We'll continue to address this issue, and we can send a message. We are not going to stop. So, dude, the Indiana State Police are, like, killing it in this case, like, keeping oh, it alive. poor and- choice of words. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait a <laughs> Call me out. Poor choice of words. Yeah, that was. They're really, they're really uh, nailing they're, it. This still sounds bad. It's so violent. They're doing a they're great doing job. They're doing a great job, Keep those Indiana it. State Police. So the state trooper overseeing this case as of February 2018, um, his name is Bill Dalton. He was quoted saying um, that previous theories all fell short of prosecution, and he said that he preferred to start from scratch. He was quoted saying, I'm coming in with fresh eyes. I am going to use my lack of experience on this case, and we are going to start from the very beginning. Um, And in McQuaid's article for Fox 59, state police also said in 2018 that they were submitting evidence for testing since so many advancements have been made in uh, lab testing technology. I couldn't find anything about the results, but this article was written November uh, of 2021, they were referring to quotes in 2018, but the article was written in 2021. So I'm assuming that nothing Nothing's has changed. came of it yet, and it's either stuck in the bottleneck that is lab testing, or they just haven't released those results yet for you know investigative purposes. So it felt really odd to me that the method of murder, I'm going to use it again, because I said method of murder a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That the method of murder differed between victims. I thought that was weird. Uh, the positions that the bodies were found in says to me that things were not going as planned. And I think that Davis and Sheldon were the uh, first two to be shot. And then Flemons and Freet fought back and tried to get away. Um, they could also have been, the perps could also have been on like some white drug and just been like twacked out. And it was just a whole shit show. Mm-hmm. Like we don't really know. What do you what do you think? I definitely think there are multiple people involved. Yeah, because oh, there's no way for four people, especially them being teenagers. Those kids, okay, yeah, those boys might have been sixteen and seventeen or fifteen and sixteen, but you're still you're strong as shit when you're sixteen, and right? And quick and quick. Yeah, Not, so there had to be like yeah more than one person per person. I would think. I'm thinking you like think five, like, six. Really? Yeah. And I think it's... They would have been that big of a group. You if there were two vehicles, if there were two vehicles, like you there stated, was a van. There was the van there and was the a car. Van. That, her car. I wonder if those two... Un- and then they all got in the van. Yeah. And then one of them was driving the car. They, and then they abandoned the and car they and then they took the, car, the van. And then they all got in the yeah. fucking van. Yeah. And, and knowing the, the, the way that they murdered them is also different. There's no... Yeah, I think they probably planned it. They probably had them all four lined up, and then they, two of them. Took when off. you hear a gunshot and know that you're three shots away, I'd probably at least try to run. Yeah, and like his the boy's dad said that he. I know. Away. I know. Whoops. Yeah, I think the. So I do have. I do have a question. Yeah, what's up? Um, was there any report that Jane was sexually assaulted in any of this? There was no mention of any sexual assault on anyone. No. Because you talked about the, the the two, let me get this right. The two that were shot were face down. They've been shot in the back. Yes, execution style, Ex- and they were okay. lying next. And to that each was Ruth, other. So, and so it had to be back to back. Like that so was... that was a girl and a and a boy. Yes, okay. yes. I, there's a lot of information to take in. So yeah. I know, to, I know, it it's a lot. In. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering if they went down first, and then the group 
went after Jane. I mean, it seems to be and a then, lot that she was stabbed that many times. And, a, and a, we're talking some serious force. We're going to break off a handle. I like, know. Yeah. 27 I, times, right? Or 22, 22 times she what? was stabbed. Didn't you say she was, it was 20? No, I never mentioned the amount of times she was stabbed. I probably could have, though. I might be getting the... I might be getting it wrong for someplace else. Too. No, no, you're right, though. Yeah. She was at least... I don't know how many times she was stabbed, but she was stabbed with enough force that... Did I mention how many times she was stabbed? I'm questioning it. You might have said multiple. Yeah. Yeah. I might be getting it. So, yeah, it was just she was stabbed so hard that the handle broke. So it probably wasn't full tang then. I don't know why I said that because if the handle broke, it was not full tang. Like where the blade goes all the way to the end of the handle. Right. right, So that's not a fact. Full tang. I thought you were saying something. (laughs) I was like, what does that mean? I probably should have mentioned what that meant. If I would have said what it meant, I probably would have realized that it was wrong to say. Yeah. It sounds like a cheap knife. But yeah, no, nothing yeah. mentioned any sexual assault. I think maybe they just got brave, and Mike was like, "Hey, come on, let's let's go," and she went. You know, did they pull DNA off their bodies? They didn't mention. They, again, well, this like, is another case where they they keep a, some stuff under wraps, and then you're like, "Why don't they know this?" But they might. They might. We just we just don't know about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Indiana police are notorious for that. I know nationwide police are notorious mm-hmm. for that, but it seems like with Indiana cases, they consistently release just a drop of information yeah. just to get people talking like with the Delphi cases mm-hmm. where they just slowly yeah. release a little tiny bit because they want to get somebody yeah yeah a, a perp hope they probably release criminal. the thing that they think will will be the most noticeable or that people will remember the most and mm-hmm. hope that it gets the most hits and yep yeah. absolutely wow that's a wild case mm-hmm. Is our Burger Chef still around? No. So I'm going to go into this. You well, Okay, wait. You remember Burger Chefs, don't you? I, I ate a Burger Chef when I was a kid, yes. You did. Were there any in our area? Plymouth had one. <gasps> Plymouth, Indiana wow. had a Burger Chef. My mom said she remembers them as well. So. Do you, do you remember, um, I don't know what's there now. It used to be Shoops in Plymouth right there on yep. Michigan. That was uh, before it became Shoops. It was something else. And then before that, it was Burger Chef. Wow. Nice. I didn't even know there was a Shoops in Plymouth. What, what is it now? Do you know where it's at? I don't know that it's even the building's even still there. I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, there's still a Penguin Point in Plymouth. Yeah, they're building a Penguin Point. They're building South new Bend. Penguin Points. I thought Penguin Point was I like kind of done for. Fun fact. Yes, we love fun facts. We toured every Penguin Point in the Northern Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, for the purpose of just doing it, <laughs> just to say you did. Yes, I love it. Just I love to it. Say you did. Yes, that's the, awesome. The original Penguin Point is located in Wabash. That's is that is all. The first ever, or the first in Indiana? The first. The first ever. Yes. Ooh. Is that an Indiana thing only? Yes. Wait, Penguin Points are hey, only in Indiana. Northern Indiana, yes. God, we're fat as fuck. Yes, we, we are. <laughs> just like Hacienda. Cor- corporate offices over in Warsaw. Wow. <laughs> well, we got a penguin point expert on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously. I like tenderloins, penguin point. Send me some coupons. <laughs> okay. So I have a really long, like, oh, I don't know if I want to get into it or not. I put it Let's all the way it. at the end. Are you sure? Let's get into okay. it. So I was listening to a podcast about. The cases. They're about the case, the Burger Chef murders. Um, And they named a podcast and they stated this podcast. Okay. The podcast I was listening to stated that another podcast had worked a deal out with Bill Dalton, Bill Dalton being the the current lead investigator, yes, to have exclusive rights to leads on this case. I don't know if that's (gasps) allowed or legal. Um, it's just kind of weird because the podcast that they were calling out, I'm not going to name anybody. I'm not trying to, you know. I bet I can guess. I bet you do know. You do. And I can tell by the look that uh-huh. you're right. They make a lot of money. And it would just be kind of weird. I'm sure they they be cap- they capitalize a lot. And I'm they would capitalize sure. on this deal. And I'm sure that what the Indiana State Police would have to be getting something out of it. Right? Yeah. And the, the Not to like say sketchy's happening. Works but, with. The Indiana State Police, yeah, closely. which which is okay. It's great. I, Wonderful. I, I said in the last podcast, in the two podcasts ago, I wish local police would cooperate with us, and and in the future, I hope that they do. I will be calling you, just so you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just seemed a little weird, and 
don't know. Yeah, I think it's weird because why wouldn't you want that information more out widespread? For everyone. Yes, but they're letting everyone. them tell the story, but not everyone listens to podcasts like this. So podcasts. TM. Podcasts. Yes. Podcasts. TM. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. It's kind of funky, right? Because, yeah, this information needs I wasn't to sure be if I wanted to talk about it or not. Red, because why wouldn't you? Why would, it's an unsolved case, and it's one of the most popular yeah. cases within yeah. the state. Yeah. So I, I don't think know. Maybe, That's sketchy. Yeah. What, what's the kickback? We won't, yeah, we won't get too much into that. That's, I'm not taking it personal. Yeah, for speculation. I am taking it super personally. <laughs> I was also listening to the Murder Sheet podcast. Um, they have tons and tons of episodes, like, on outlining crazy specifics on this case. So, again, I'm going to recommend people listen to that. They talked about um, this guy. They don't give his real name, but they call him, quote, Terry, okay? He's had some run-ins with police, okay? And he got pulled over that night. On November 17th. Okay. Okay. And he was drunk. He was drunk driving. But a friend had told cops that he had thrown out a 38 pistol that night. Um, cops did not see that. So he took a polygraph test and got an attorney. He flunked the polygraph. But then he took a flunked, whatever. It showed deception. Mm -hmm. um, he took an unbiased test after that, and I think it was either undetermined. I think it was undetermined. Um, I, again, I didn't look too much into this. I just wanted to mention it because I thought it was kind of cool that they went this in depth. They found this dude that got pulled over for drunk driving that night. They interview him in this podcast. The whole podcast is them talking to this guy. So... This guy, Terry, says the cops knew he was not involved, but they used his story to, like, fabricate activity in the case, which he says fabricate. The cops probably thought, you know, this is real activity uh, in the case. Anything's possible. Exactly. It could exactly. have been a lead. So, but this is this is how he's feeling or how he felt. Yeah. So, he which feels is attacked. why. Yes, exactly. So, um, he was asked to help in the case, and which he did at the beginning, but he got a lot of backlash for it. So he ended up refusing to help the cops. Um, he says that he began to be afraid of, like, retaliation from... Whoever it who, was. Whomever, yeah, the entities that be. But, so this gets kind of funny. So he was getting harassed a lot by the police. And so he says the only way for him to, like, quote-unquote, like, get through it is he started to kind of troll the cops. So... He wore a leather jacket when he was riding around on his motorcycle, and it would say ISP sucks, which is Indiana <laughs> State Police. Police. Yeah, <laughs> hilarious, right? Um, it's not funny for cops, but it's it's funny, you know, now. So he would also call the cops and say that he was too drunk to remember where he was at and ask them if they knew where he was at because he knew they were following him. <laughs> so he'd be like, hey, like, I'm super drunk. Can you tell me how to get home? I know that you're, like, you know, 10 cars behind me. Type of thing. So I thought that was really funny. That is funny. Um, he would also, he says he would also handcuff a briefcase to his wrist and go places all the time. <laughs> That's me. I would do that same thing. Especially if you, like, know you're innocent. Yeah. Oh, I'd be trolling hard. Just make a good time of a bad time. Why not? Exactly. He does say, though, that his first marriage was ruined um, by this investigation. Um, he was in the middle of trying to save his two-week-old sick child. Um, who is still alive today. Oh, hey. Good. He told police that he saw nothing that night. He was never, you know, anywhere near there. That handgun was found where he was pulled over. Um, so the cops did threaten him, but they they never have had anything on anyone, really, like as far as solid evidence. Um, so his motorcycle crew was pretty serious, and so his name did come up a lot. But none of them, aside for Terry, were ever implicated in the crime. He never went past a minimal early suspect. Um, he was never accused or he has never accused the police of any corruption. And he he said that they investigated him to no avail. He also stated that he feels very terrible for the families and all the pain um, that everyone involved went through. Um, and I, I don't think he was connected in no. any way. Police just get tunnel vision exactly. sometimes. I mean, it's been so long and he still is like doing – like he talked to them for – this podcast was like an, over an hour long. So like That's he so – put yeah, exactly. So I did I, he admit, I thought that was cool and like worth mentioning. Did he admit that that was his handgun or was it just a no, coincidental? No, he, he said like that was not – that was not. But they 
you stated before that they didn't know if that was connected to the yeah yeah murders, that it was they just, have it's a like a shoe gun. it was kind of random they found it like in the area but they never imagine all the things that they find near bodies right like cigarette butts pieces I mean, of yeah, trash people just litter do you remember do you remember when dog uh went to that island when he was looking for Brian Laundry and he's like there's a sugar free monster can and we think he drinks those and we know he's here on this island it's like no it's just some litter yeah bud. him and 1.5 million other people in freaking california drink those yeah, you know you or connect- florida he was in florida wasn't yeah he? yeah like the, yeah to anything. he chews extra gum and we found a foil gum wrapper that could or could not be well, and wrapped around much, an extra piece of gum imagine like, how much actual evidence they leave behind because they think it's just trash right they find one thing like this is it and then they step over something that maybe actually like is yeah. it yeah and they could get dna this like the golden state killer cop. when I, they got his uh dna off that cup yeah i could never be a cop i would have 1.5 million pieces of evidence for every single case because i would pick up Every fucking yeah. thing. Yeah, look at this pop tab I found. Yeah. It could mean something. There could be a thumbprint on it. We don't mm-hmm. know. A partial. Or fingernail shavings. Mm-hmm. I don't For know. sure. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> Jeremy's just making fun of us because we're so off okay. the walls. <laughs> so, I've got a couple of fun facts. Well, one of them's fun. One of them's kind of fucking depressing. But Fun fact. Fun fact number really, one. Really, really sad fact. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Burger Chef... One of my friends told me, and I'm going to just let me finish the whole thing before we interject, okay? My friend said, oh, yeah, Burger Chef. That's Burger King now. Um, He said that he remembered the Burger Chef from when he was a kid, and he still calls Burger King Burger Chef. And then when I asked him about it and told him that I was going to talk about it in the podcast, he said, no, wait, wait, wait. Please Google that first. <laughs> I did not Google it. I am going to stand firmly by his assumption that Burger Chef is now Burger King. What what do you what do you think? I don't believe it is. <laughs> I don't think so either. Who was it? It was uh Liz's husband Brad. <laughs> oh Brad. He's like, Oh yeah. But yeah, he definitely said you should go. You tried, that. Brad. Yeah, you did try. Um, okay. This other thing, it's not a fun fact, but it is really cool. So while I was reading um Indianapolis news archives from like late nineteen seventy eight do you know who Reverend Jim Jones is? I do know who you Reverend do. Jim Jones so, is. So he had really strong ties in Indianapolis. Yes. He served as the mayor's human rights commissions director in the early 60s. I yeah. did not know that. Jim Jones is, of course, the sociopath who led his congregation to, how do you say that? The G word. Guyana. Yep, that place. Um, to build a town that he dubbed Jonestown. Yep. Jones and Oscar. yes, on November 18th, 1978, which was just one day after the Burger Chef murders. <gasps> yes. Oh, shit. 909 of his followers died, one third of them being children, mm-hmm. in a mass suicide by drinking poisoned Kool Aid. It was Flavor Aid. Okay, brand expert. Flavor Aid. <laughs> it was Flavor Aid. <laughs> they sponsor us. No. Okay. Um, but something I did not know about that is that. A bunch of his members actually refused to drink it, and he had like goons, and they just like shot everybody yeah. that didn't that didn't want to drink. Um, he was shot as well, and like we don't know, did he just shoot himself or if he had his like firing squad or whatever mm-hmm. shoot him. Um, but yeah, can you imagine having to be like the response team that had to like sort out that Mm-mm. scene? Can you imagine no. a thousand freaking bodies like? And I'm pretty sure that's where Don't Drink the Kool-Aid came from, right? Yes. God, I knew it. But it's flavor That's my motto. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, never drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the flavor It's full of sugar anyway. It's bad for you. Eat fruit. Eat fruit. I didn't really know the end results of this case until I kind of like got to the end of my research. I researched in like a really weird ADHD Ashley way. No way. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, but I like to research and, like, learn the case kind of as I go. Like, I've done three cases already that I've researched until the end and realized that they were already solved or in another state. Yeah. So I've got some backups. Now that I'm done, I think it's really cool that the cops, like, quote, unquote, know who did it, but they're still, like, fighting for the evidentiary proof of that. 
I think yeah. that's cool. Like to give actual closure. Yeah. Um, because I think that the and I think the cops think that it was Donald Forrester and, and mm-hmm. his goons. There is a Facebook page called Justice for the Speedway Burger Chef Murders. I'm not very good with social media. Alicia can attest to this. Um, but it appears that the page still posts about 10 times a week. So um, we'll link that in our show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Okay, cool. You can call the Indiana State Police to share any tips you might have. The number is 317-899-8508. And you can also call Crime Stoppers at 317 Tips, T-I-P-S. So um, I also want to mention, like, I know this case is kind of old, 1978. But, like, even if you, like, if your parents or your aunts and uncles were, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. 1978 ain't that old. (laughs) It's not. It's not. Um, But, like, just tell, you know, talk, just bring it up to your aunts or uncles or cousins or siblings um, or show producers. Or show producers that might have been in that area at that time, you know? Like, yeah. just be like, hey, do you remember this? Do you remember seeing anything weird? Like, and even, you know, they might be like, oh, yeah, what well, was this? But it was no big deal. You can call or it Or even in. rumors. Yeah, just anything. Call it in. They they have nothing to go on. They yep. need they need something to follow into a new direction. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any uh, closing comments uh, on anything? No, there's a lot of this. This one's been covered a lot, but there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know that you covered. I know I did a lot of like deep, deep research because there was so much and I was so enveloped in it. And I just even some stuff that maybe was not worth mentioning. I felt like I'm going to say this. Yeah. I'm gonna bring this up like them finding the bullet casings. I, I read that and I was like, what? I've never heard that before. No, Related I wonder if case. they like dug up their uh, their what are those things called? Septic tank. Well, septic oh, tank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm here for you. But the, I wonder, can you dig up a septic tank and just kind of go through it? Yes. And yeah, they, they're, they're, they, uh, sorry, they have a top on them. You can take the top off of the off the top of the septic tank and clean it all out. Yeah. Okay. Does that have, that. is that regular maintenance on a septic tank for a home? No. So does it never get full? What is, I don't understand. There's a microbiome in Let's get into some plumbing. My little off topic there. Uh, Your septic tank comes out of your house. It goes into just a tank. And it has what they call, um, wow, I'm going to draw a a leach bed, which will go out into your yard. And so basically your shit and piss goes into your yard. Hey, it's it's good for plants and grass and such. It's wonderful. But they do get full. You have to have them. Blood. sucked out and that's why you have a lid you have like a little you know what 12 inch lid that you just take off and they suck it all out I see now you guys to... i don't know about i'm not sure about you but you know in bremen it just goes down the line and yep you know into right the, down the street into the uh, treatment plant but out here in the country where we are <laughs> we have septic tanks where we have to have them sucked out <laughs> you have to subpoena i bet you'd have to get a uh yeah well i mean ch- but yeah with <laughs> It seems like what? a lot of effort to get some casings. Oh, you mean a subpoena? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> or Puns. there's like, a, you know how in the sink there's a pee trap yep. that if you lose your ring, yep. is there something That's like that what, in a toilet? Shit, sorry. That's what I was saying, like at the bottom of like a U-pipe. Yeah, yeah it's, the same, it's the same purpose. It, you know, it has that in it. But I don't know that it has the same style trap as say your kitchen sink has in it. But Well, in bullet casings, it's like, I mean, it, it's it's essentially like a tiny cup. Right, like I know, but without better description, it is. It's a tiny little cup, like a barbie. Yes, you can do shots out of it. Yes, so (laughs) shots, another pun. Yes, but so it would travel easily because water could catch that hole and bring it it through. Yeah, so I don't know if that would be as plausible. It being stuck in like a U. I just want to call the cops and just ask them that one question. Like I know you can't. Give me any details. I know with an unopened or an, an open case. case. Yeah. How'd you get those? Did you where dig did you through find poop? Them? Did you dig through some poopy? Do you have to ask a judge? Can I get into uh, the septic tank? How'd they get them? Yeah, probably. They had, what I if mean, they, they just sat at the bottom because they were metal and they just, <laughs> you tried yeah, to flush well, them? Yeah, they, they could have probably just got in the septic tank and did, and did like a like a giant magnet, and it would have a picked up detector. everything. Or a metal detector. Probably not a very expensive one, though, if you're going to get this poop all over This is off it. the rails. It is. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so that's that's my case for the week. All righty. Thank you, Ashley. That was a really good case. You did a good job. Thank you. Thank you. I thought it was a little better put together than than my first one, but, you know, again, I'm going to grow. I'm going to keep growing for you, my fans, (laughs) all 10 of you. You're welcome. (laughs) And the ADHD Ashley (laughs) Ashley T-shirts are coming soon. (laughs) ADHD, (laughs) A-S-H-L-E-E, signing off. All right. Um, yeah. So if you guys have any, uh, actually, Alicia's going to plug all her stuff because I don't know it all. So you go ahead, Alicia. If you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, anything, feel free to uh, message us, comment on our social media. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have TikTok. We have YouTube. Those are all under um, at Murd Nerds. And then our Twitter is at Murd Nerds Pod. Um, we are available on all uh, anywhere you enjoy your social media or you enjoy your podcast. Except Amazon because we can't figure it out. Except Amazon Music. <laughs> but I doubt anybody's <laughs> listening on there if we're going to be honest. I, but, I use Amazon like to watch documentaries and shit. But do you listen to podcasts? No, I use Spotify yeah, all the way. I use Apple. Me. I'm an, I'm an Apple uh, fanboy. I'm an Apple. I'm just Alicia's an Apple. Apple. <laughs> I'm a pair. <laughs> but speaking of Apple and... Uh, <laughs> We're a pair. I'm a a teapot, (laughs) short and stout. But speaking of Apple, um, feel free to uh, subscribe, to rate, to review. We can't grow and be better unless you tell us what you like, what you don't like. And Spotify just recently um, updated to where you can rate and review yes. also. You have to be a regular listener, though, to do that, right? Yes. you have to. I think you have to listen to at least two of the podcasts. Mm-hmm. Or two of the episodes. Which is kind of cool. I, I like they do that. Yeah, because then you're getting you're not getting some weirdo jumping in and mm-hmm. leaving bad reviews. Yeah. Which, who's going to be lucky number 30 reviewing us? Because we've, we've been sitting at 29 reviews on Apple Podcasts, Ooh. and I'm like waiting for that number 30. Lucky number 30 gets a free sticker. Or did, does it tell you who it is? No, it doesn't. Oh, shit. Never mind. Sorry, no. number but 30. Which, speaking of, we've been considering doing a giveaway for uh, a decal and a shirt. So if anybody's interested in that, we're going to put a poll up on Spotify if you're a Spotify listener. If you have any uh, questions or cases that you would like us to cover, please feel free to either message us on social media or you can email us at murdernerds at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Contact us in any way you feel you need to. We're always, either Ashley or I are on and we respond pretty, pretty quick. All right. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you listening and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.